What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. The tight end was not so bad in 2019. The big three were very good, though they weren't as good as they were in 2018. We had Mark Andrews and we had Darren Waller emerge. Austin Hooper had a career season. Tyler Higby had 522 yards in his last five games. So is tight end good all of a sudden? We will bring in Heath Cummings and Ben Gretsch to discuss. I am Adam Azer. Welcome to Fantasy Football Today here on Wednesday. And good morning to Heath and Ben. Have you guys been, you're in the same room. Ben's in Fort Lauderdale in the same office. Uh, have you been exchanging projections all morning? I've been bugging, I've been bugging Ben like every 10 to 15 minutes with some random factoid that I discover during the process. And uh, the most recent one was a lot of fun. I think you will enjoy it. Uh, there have been 23 running backs to have at least 18 rushing touchdowns in a single season. Adam Gase's last three offenses have combined for 17 rushing touchdowns. <laughs> combined. Combined. Wait, you know what? The whole team. Not just one running back. The whole team. I, I mean, think I can find another funny stat about Dolphins running backs, which is partially Adam Gase. So I'm going to go ahead and, and find that while you guys chat. Go ahead. Well, I mean, he said he, he's been bugging me all, all the last couple of days, but I've been enjoying these little nuggets. I mean, that is an awesome one. They've averaged under six rushing touchdowns as a team per year over the last three years. I mean, he's been on two different teams, but that is incredibly bad. Yeah, I mean, that's just really, really bad. And I think, like, Adam... I found it. Okay. Here we go. Uh, so this is all. This is obviously about the Miami Hurricanes, who got a transfer transfer quarterback, Derek King, who's a dual-threat quarterback from Houston. Uh, and this is from the Miami Herald. How elusive is King as a runner? Consider he forced eight missed tackles and a loss to Washington State last season. As perspective, Dolphins running back Kalen Balaj forced six missed tackles all season. I'm surprised like four that. six. Yeah, I question that <laughs> yeah, number. It's definitely less. <laughs> <laughs> All right, where were we? So let's let's talk about tight ends here, guys. Um, that is the uh, topic du jour. But I did want to read a few emails first. Um, just give me real quick. Do, do you think tight end is is better than ever going into 2020? I I don't think I I buy that. I think it, I think it had a you know a resurgent year. You noted that the top ones came back. Uh, part of the reason they came back as 2018 was a was a 
pretty historic year for tight ends. George Kittle broke the all-time yardage record, right? And I think Kelsey was right behind him. And did Ertz also set the all-time receptions record for tight ends? Seems like, yeah. I think those are are all correct stats. All three of those guys had great years in 2018. They were destined to come back a little bit in 2019. They still were all very good. And we got those new, you know, uh, Mark Andrews and Darren Waller kind of coming up from the the later rounds of, of fantasy drafts. But I still don't know that I would say that it's the best it's ever been. I don't. We don't know. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the things about doing the, going through the projections now. It's too early to do it. But you realize how much we don't know, and we don't know where Eric Ebron's going to play this year. Or who the Colts? If the Colts only have Jack Doyle tied in, that might make him interesting. We don't know if Austin Hooper is going back to the Atlanta Falcons. We don't know if Greg Olson, Delaney Walker, Jimmy Graham are going to come back, or if they're going to open the door for young tight ends that are exciting. We don't know how the Rams are going to measure or handle things with Everett and Tyler Higby. So I I do feel more comfortable with it, and I think that there is more upside coming for sure. I'm not sure that upside's quite going to be ready in 2020. It's not just that rookie tight ends are bad. Generally, like, second-year tight ends aren't very good. Sometimes third-year tight ends aren't quite good, and then they have, like, a three-year stretch, and then they're too old to play tight end. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, this is kind of amazing if you just think about this. Travis Kelsey has been the number one tight end in PPR four straight seasons. That's pretty remarkable. He's been number one in non-PPR in three of the last four seasons and number two in the other season behind Rob Gronkowski. Well, so just think about that. And I something else, and I like I think I said earlier that I've pretty much decided Travis Kelsey is going to be in my first round whenever the rankings are done. You look at the last three seasons, It's he's been a top 10 running back and a top 10 wide receiver each of the past three th- seasons as well. So when you consider how bad the bottom of tight end has been worth, I, I think he's definitely been worth a first-round pick. Okay, so let me let me throw out a theory here, just something I was thinking of, and, and tell, me, tell me how you feel about this, right? So the league winners in fantasy when you when you sit there and you say oh i won my league and people say oh you must have had christian mccaffrey you must have had michael thomas you must have had lamar jackson we pretty much never say that about a tight end. I mean, the absolute best that you're going to get from a tight end that wasn't rob gronkowski is probably like a running back 8, wide receiver 8, something like that. So, it's not to say you can't win if you draft Travis Kelsey, but when you think about like the running backs that might go around Travis Kelsey, they are all going to have you know, elite upside. They're all going to have that ability to take that Dalvin Cook leap, right? So I could make a case that based on just upside, league-winning, league-dominating, unbelievable player upside, Travis Kelsey shouldn't be a first-round pick, and maybe he shouldn't even be a second-round pick because his best-case scenario is worse than the best-case scenario of a lot of guys that are going to go behind him. That's just wrong. So, like, maybe Why? in 20, 2019, there wasn't really league-winning upside. 2018, uh, I don't have the numbers, but of the vast majority of winning leagues had Ertz or Kelsey or Kittle. They were well uh, far and above. And then if you go back a few years, the great Rob Gronkowski seasons, the great Jimmy Graham seasons, those were all very much league-winning tight end seasons. I mean, there's a but lot of But those are outliers. I, I mean, no, but the, well, all those the Dalvin examples Cook outbreak, are outliers. Breakout is an outlier. Like, you you have to have an outlier to have a league-winning season. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a league-winning season. I guess so. But 2018, those three tight ends did stuff that we just have never seen before. And we knew it wasn't going to happen again. And it didn't happen again. Uh, And then, I don't know if you can really 
call anyone Rob Gronkowski. He, you know, he's Rob Gronkowski. I was going to say that's kind of the point because tight end's a position where there's not always a lot of really, really consistent production, right? Because a lot of them aren't consistently receivers. And then when you do get a really great season, it is an outlier. It's way, and you get this huge positional advantage. So, I, I still think there's an argument for those top guys. I think for me, Kelsey and Kittle will both be in the discussion for first round. I don't know that I'll, I'll probably look at them more second round picks, but um, I think they're they're both pretty elite uh, for fantasy. And I do think the positional thing really matters because even this year, when Kelsey wasn't near as good as he was last year, he probably more than doubled the number twelve tight end, right? He had 256 Almost. points. Number 12 had 138. Yeah, so outscored him by 118 fantasy points. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not. It's yeah. probably not the advantage that Christian McCaffrey had, but no. it's it's a big advantage. And th- and that was, you know, I think it was larger in 2018 like we were talking about. Oh, yeah. for sure. Um, 118 fantasy points was uh, the number 24 running back if you're comparing from Dalvin Cook, who we were talking about. Okay, uh, yeah, by the way, the, the fantasy points... You know, it depends what site you look at, uh, but the uh, the concept is the same. All right, you know what? Look, I'm not saying I believe that what I what I was throwing out there when I was floating, but I just thought kind of an interesting talking point. It's a couple things to promote. I said we we're going to read some emails. Why why do it now? Let's just do it later after we talk about tight ends. The emails are about an email that we read at the end of yesterday's show. That crazy concept of drafting team offenses and only starting players from that team. And which team did we forget who should probably be the number one pick? We got called out via email, so we'll read some of those emails. Uh, fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Remember, we have three episodes per week during the offseason. We also have a newsletter that will keep you up to date on all the latest fantasy football content all offseason long. Go to cbssports.com slash newsletter and get your news of the day, get our podcast content, editorial pieces, prospect profiles, rankings, and more. cbsports.com slash newsletter. Oh, and league punishments. Remember to leave your best fantasy loser punishments in the Apple Podcast reviews. We already have one from Neil. His fan, they have a fantasy loser varsity jacket, and the loser is required to wear it in public whenever he's with another league member. Very clever. I like that. So uh, let us know the best uh, league loser punishment that you've got and tell us in a uh, five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it. All right, so um, you talked about, Heath, the, the positional advantage. When you talk, when you think about Kelsey or Kittle in round one, or Ertz in round two or three or something, or whoever, who is is uh, Ertz going to be your number three tight end next year, guys? I doubt it, uh, just who? because of concern. I I'm not sure who it will be, but I'm probably going to downgrade Ertz at least at the beginning of the off season more than most, just because I don't think the sharing with Dallas Goddard's going away. Yeah. I think Goddard's going to at least get the share that he got this year and maybe a slight uptick. And I do think that they'll have better receiving options than they had at the end of last year. And you look at Ertz's target numbers before almost literally all of the wide receivers got hurt, his target share was way down. So I, I'll probably have Ertz like fourth or fifth. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Andrews or Henry is ahead of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, so the numbers, uh, eight games with Alshon Jeffrey, Ertz averaged 7.25 targets per game. Seven games without Jeffrey, and that includes two games in which he left early with an injury, he averaged 11 targets per game, almost four more targets per game for Ertz, who had 135 targets in 15 games a year after having 
what do you have in 2018? 156 targets. So, and, and um, I think like that yeah. matters for him because he's not. He's awesome, very, very good, but he's not Kelsey or Kittle in terms of what he produces for fantasy points or yards on a per-target basis. Yeah, I mean, his, his average depth of target's way lower. Right. He's way more of a possession receiver than those guys who are more big play guys, and they do a lot more after the catch, typically. I mean, just because Kittle and, and Kelsey are so good at that, it's not really a knock on Ertz, but... Um, no, I agree. I mean, we were talking yesterday that, that Ertz and Goddard and the, the Eagles as a team last, last season, or 2019... Um, had the second most targets uh, for tight ends on a team since 2000. Um, and it, it, that's an astronomically high number. I think it was 250, you said? Right. Um, so we're, we know that the wide receiver injuries impacted that. And they went to a ton of two tight end sets. They played Goddard a ton alongside Ertz because they needed both of them on the field. The difference now going forward is Goddard's not going to just like what when they get better receivers and they are able to run more three wide receiver sets like they wanted to if Deshaun Jackson would have been healthy and they could have had a deep threat a third receiver out on the field or Jeffrey healthy or even Nelson Aguilar who missed time I mean they're down to Greg Ward at the end of the season right so if they're healthy and they're able to run more three wide receiver sets do we really think that Ertz is going to continue to play 90 plus percent of the snaps and Goddard's going to be the backup or like Heath said now that Goddard has been so effective and was very good on a per target basis right on par and I think even better than Ertz in in some efficiency metrics yeah uh, most tight ends were better than Ertz right on yards per target last year he was a 6.8 so if you think about it that way and you think okay three wide receiver sets are they going to continue to just leave Ertz on there and and take Goddard out of the lineup well Goddard was a second round pick and he's he's proven everything that he could prove to this point so why wouldn't they use him more in single tight end sets and and rotate more and 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 lessen Ernst's workload and that's and like we're, we're all talking about Adam you just mentioned 156 targets in 2018 135 more in 2019 I don't I don't project him to get close to that in 2020 and that 135 was in 15 games but I guess I guess my question is He's he's gonna get more targets than Mark Andrews, right? I mean, so and right. Hunter Henry, like let's let's be honest here with Hunter Henry now. It's three years where he can't stay healthy, plus he missed the season, and he really struggled at the end. You know, he Hunter Henry hasn't really had that season yet that we're hoping for. He's still young, he's still early in his career. And the one time that he did score a lot of touchdowns, Keenan Allen played only one game that season. So like I, I see the downgrade in Ertz, but I have a hard time figuring out who to put ahead of him. Uh, Andrews is the one that I have projected and currently project for more fantasy points. I haven't got to the Chargers yet, so I won't really talk about Henry too much. I will say the big difference for their careers, Zach Ertz has averaged seven and a half yards per target, which is fine for a tight end. Mark Andrews is at nine and a half yards per target. Last year, Ertz fell to 6.8. Andrews was at 8.7. And Ertz is going to be 30, which is generally when we start seeing tight ends slow down in terms of production just a little bit. So I will have Andrews ahead of Ertz going into next year. Okay, so how many rounds behind Kelsey and Kittle, who are, let's say, top 15 picks or so, uh, would Mark Andrews or Zach Ertz, whoever your number three tight end would be, uh, where would they fall? How many rounds... How far behind the top two? I think the top two are at the one-two turn, or at least between picks nine and 18. So maybe not quite the one-two turn. Um, I I haven't done it yet, but I'm leaning towards the three-four turn for Andrews and Ertz. Yeah, I might even go late, later. I, I will still have Ertz probably as my tight end three, I think, just because the track record. And Adam, I do agree with some, some of your pushback there where it's hard to, to figure out who you'd put ahead. And there are concerns that Andrews could keep up that efficiency. It's really high. 
Um, he's almost like this year's OJ Howard. OJ Howard last year, ton of efficiency, right. not enough targets. We were hoping for for more, except for you know doesn't have the competition that Howard had. So there's I think there's more reason for optimism and for Andrews. He but. just had a better season than Howard's ever had, right? Sure, probably. And and but I I still think that Ertz, what he's done, I'll probably still have him tight end three. But I I probably won't draft him until round four, round five. Yeah, so I'm looking at the PPR draft that we did, and it was kind of funky. I mean, no no love for the tight ends. Travis Kelsey went with the sixth pick in round two. This is a 12-team league. George Kittle went with the third pick of round three to Ben Gretsch. Zach Ertz, first pick of round four. Austin Hooper went two picks after that. I'm, I think I'm missing Mark Andrews. Where is he? And I think Austin Hooper deserves to be in that discussion no, if we knew for sure team. he was on the Falcons. Mark Andrews went around five, and, you know, in PPR, like, Mark Andrews had really interesting splits. His first seven games before the bye, he was the number three tight end in non, number four tight end in PPR. He had 36 catches, 449 yards, three touchdowns, 55 targets. He had the third most targets among tight ends. Last eight games, he only played 15 games. He was, once again, number four in PPR. He was number two in non-PPR, but it changed. He didn't have as many targets. He didn't have as many catches. Didn't have as many yards, not a huge drop, but he had four more touchdowns in those eight games. But Lamar Jackson went before the bye. Lamar Jackson threw 31 passes per game. After the bye, he threw 23 passes per game. So kind of interesting there. I don't know that you can expect the top five tight end if Lamar Jackson's throwing, I don't know, 25 passes per game. But I don't know, I don't know what he's going to do next year, you know? Yeah, those I are, would just... Splits, I don't know what to make of. I'm pretty much... This isn't going to be surprising. I expect Lamar Jackson is going to throw a few more passes. That's what generally happens with run-heavy quarterbacks as they develop through their career. We've seen it with Deshaun Watson the last couple of years. We saw it with Russell Wilson. We saw it with Cam Newton. So I think it's more likely he throws the number of times he did in the first half of the season or a little bit more than what he did in the second half. Okay, so it sounds like you guys still think there's a pretty big gap between the top two now and the rest, which would make those top two very valuable. Right. Yeah, and I mean, I think there was it was kind of a top three going into this year. Ertz was kind of on par with Kittle, and everyone had Kelsey as the clear number one. The way I'm looking at 2020 is Kelsey and Kittle are are kind of neck and neck at that top tier, and then there's a huge gap after two. And, and Ertz wasn't bad. Like, he was good. He was top five. Um, he was fourth in non-PPR. He was fifth in PPR. Almost every like, – like, Ertz had six touchdowns. Kelsey had, what, five touchdowns? Weird. So the touchdowns just weren't there. Kittle had five for the second straight season. Had He's, multiple called back in one game early in the year, and I, I think in third right. throughout the season as well. But, like, the thing you right. did with Mark Andrews splits, mm-hmm. you can do with Zach Ertz splits, and it's much scarier. Yeah. The targets, Ertz was, yeah. No, Ertz was good in 2019. It's just that everything, when you look forward to 2020, it's it's not promising. I mean, they should be and almost certainly will be healthier at wide receiver. And Goddard, the other tight end on his team, has now shown in extended playing time that he's very, very good and right. he's younger. Ertz is not going to be a, a 130, 140 target guy. You just you don't see that. I'll tell you, we want to do some splits, though. How about Jared Cook? With Drew Brees? He was, uh, I believe, the number one tight end in fantasy. Because, uh, well, week one, he had a bad game. Two catches, 37 yards. Then Breeze got hurt in week two. But the last eight games of the season, he was the number one tight end in non-PPR, number two in PPR. And it was touchdown heavy. But 28 catches. This is an eight game, so just double everything. 28 catches, 537 yards, seven touchdowns. 
on 38 targets. It's not a lot of targets. It's not a lot of catches, but it's 1,074 yards and 14 touchdowns. That's the pace for Jared Cook with Drew Brees. Kind of interesting. What do you think? I think he's going to turn 33 years old in April. Um, they don't have a long history of elite tight end production from 33-year-old or older, especially guys that have had careers as spotty as Jared Cook. Assuming that he comes back, assuming they don't add a really good option as the number a number two, because they don't really have a number two right now. They're going to add a couple of guys probably. Um, he's going to be, in, for me, in the area where if, like I missed out on the guys I really want. Yeah, I, I agree. The age is a big thing for me. I had uh, a, a concussion this year. I don't really know his history, but you, you start to c- get concerned about that. I, I do more with tight ends because they're blocking so much on the line. We know that um, you know that can lead to, to more concussion issues. That we've seen it with like Jordan Reed, for instance. I I probably will be out on Cook because he you just mentioned from a statistical standpoint was very touchdown dependent, very much like Eric Ebron in 2018, and everybody really wanted to, to draft Eric Ebron after his 14 touchdowns in 2018. And he just wasn't nearly as good this year. He, the lack of targets and receptions for me at that at that age, it's it's not something I want to get back into this year. Who are you going to prefer next year? It might be format dependent. I don't know. Uh, Darren Waller, who was fourth in non PPR, second in PPR, had only three touchdowns on 117 targets and 90 catches. Uh, or Jared Cook, Darren Waller, or Cook. Waller for me. It's almost certainly going to be Waller, but like if there's a team that we don't know what's going to happen with it next year, it's the Raiders. We I'm not sure that we know who the quarterback's going to be for the Raiders. Next yeah, year. and and he Waller struggled when when Renfro uh, came on late in the year, right? right? There was all those splits about yes. when when Renfro was on the field. Waller's going to have a lot more target competition next year. They wanted to bring in Antonio Brown, that didn't work. I think Tyrell Williams as the number one wasn't really great but if they do bring in a legitimate number one whether they draft one or they try to sign you know an AJ Green or whatever they it, they obviously showed an interest in trying to get that caliber of a player last offseason then they'll have Williams as a deep threat Renfro and Waller as the underneath targets their slot guy and their tight end that would really hamper Waller's ability to have 117 targets again next season and it it's also very notable that it took till he was 27 for him to break out he's not a young guy I mean he's a new guy on the fantasy landscape but he's definitely older in, in his career as well I still like him but yeah to, to the to answer your question I, I would take Waller over Cook largely because I'm just that far down on Cook right do you want to talk more about 2019 and maybe what worked or what didn't work or you should we just spin it ahead to 2020 which we've been mostly doing but I guess I, th- I guess if we if we put a bow on it Ben you know like how would you sum up tight end in 2019 well I I think Obviously, the the top three guys all did really well, and they were the top three guys in drafts. And then we saw tight ends four, five, six, who we haven't really talked about yet. Ingram, OJ Howard, Hunter Henry did not do very well, right? right? And I think if one of Kelsey Kittle or Ertz, say, maybe got hurt this year, we'd have a little bit of a different um, feel for for how things went. But right now, I think we feel really confident that like these early round tight end picks, they didn't bust, but a lot of times they do. And I, so I, I'm a little hesitant to overreact to just this one data point. There's a reason that people are, are wary of early tight end uh, picks. And, and so actually the, the flip side of it is my biggest takeaway is that once again, we had some late round tight ends kind of come out of nowhere and really do well. And it's not just Mark Andrews and Darren Waller. It's also guys who had short spurts in season, Tyler Higby late in the year, right? And, and we saw that um, w- with 
I guess I'm thinking two years ago, Eric Ebron yeah. with the Lions had a nice little run late in the, in, in the year. But then you also had like Will Disley early in the season was a, a guy you could grab. And then later Jacob Hollister in that same role for Seattle. There's there's often guys. So for me, the, the biggest thing that I, I, I took back was you don't have to invest high at tight end, which to Adam's point earlier in the show, you can, I think. But I, I, I kind of think next year I'll be looking to to wait later, trying to find this next year's Darren Waller or Mark Andrews or Eric Ebron from 2018 when he was a late round pick and with the Colts. Um or, or finding the, the Tyler Higby off the waiver wire if I if I don't hit in the draft because I I think those opportunities are, are available at this position. Yeah, I mean what the the top two guys or two of the top three hit and Zach Ertz kind of hit and that we basically universally agreed that we then we're going to wait and then there was another tier of Ingram, Howard, and Henry and they were just all were terrible for one reason or another. I view still this year, Kelsey and Kittle are pretty much bulletproof unless they get hurt and they have no more injury risk than the other wide receivers and running backs in that range. So I'm still going to draft them like the elite options they are. I do think I'm going to be more likely to wait other than those guys, except for maybe Mark Andrews. Um, I, I think his role is pretty secure in that offense, and I do think they're going to throw more. To be fair to the you know middle group of tight ends, Howard was truly awful. Hunter Henry had a great stretch. I mean, he he got hurt after week one, and he was fine in week one. Four catches for 60 yards on five targets, played almost the entire game. Uh, weeks six through 11, he was the number one tight end of fantasy. He looked like he was truly breaking out. 35 catches, 427 yards, three touchdowns in six games, 49 targets. He led all tight ends in targets. He had one more than Travis Kelsey. He was a stud. And then I don't know what happened. It's it's hard for me to figure out what happened to Hunter Henry in the final five weeks of the season. It was after their bye. I looked at Philip Rivers' pass attempts, some low games, but he had that during this great stretch for Henry. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, were they more involved? I, I haven't looked at the rushing totals for uh, Gordon and Eckler yet, but I can't figure it out. But he really stunk down the stretch, Hunter Henry. Uh, but he gave you some great production, and you probably picked him up off waivers in a lot of cases because people dropped him after he, you know, he missed so much time. And Evan Ingram was a top ten tight end. Uh, he was ninth on a per game basis in non PPR. He was seventh in PPR. He had seven or more targets in seven of eight games, and of course, his one horrible game was against the Arizona Cardinals when Red Ellison had a good game. Yeah, but they were okay. Uh, yeah. So, so like. It, it, okay, Ben, you said you're going to look for the guys later in the draft. That's your initial thought in 2020. Mm-hmm. You're going to look for the next Mark Andrews, the next uh, Darren Waller. Who could it be? And it doesn't have to be necessarily a new name. It could be a bounce-back candidate. Maybe it is Evan Ingram. Maybe yeah. he falls. Maybe O.J. Howard bounces back. Who do, who do you think could be that guy? Yeah, I think I, I, in one of those drafts that we already did, I think I took Ingram after a, a while. I, I mean, there there's so many guys that have risen up now that – you're probably going to get value on Ingram. You're, you're definitely going to get value on OJ Howard. He's more of a, a double-digit round guy. I, I think what's interesting with Andrews and, and Waller is they were they were hyped guys. Right. But they were top ten tight ends in most drafts. They weren't like you had to wait till the very end of the draft. Another name that I think will probably be in that back of the top ten that has shown some some signs that could be the next breakout be Mike Gesicki. I mean, his second season this year, he was in the top five in tight end air yards. Was that vertical, athletic uh, tight end that and was pretty efficient with with Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's a guy that I think could definitely take a step forward in twenty twenty. I think there are two obvious choices here, and I I don't 
I'll have them ranked similarly to Gasicki. I'm not sure if I'll have them above or behind, but Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson sure. are not going to be in the top eight tight ends in it by ADP this year. We should not have really expected them to be much better than they were last year on a per-game basis, and we should expect them to get better. So if you're going to wait, I think Hawkinson and Fant are the kind of the two obvious guys that you target. How about Hawkinson, Fant versus Evan Ingram? I'll probably have Ingram ahead. Yeah, I'll have Ingram higher as well. You were, I mean, you were right. Ingram was very good when he was healthy. He just got hurt. Yeah, I don't think he's unless unless something else happens over the offseason that surprises us. I don't think you're going to see Ingram fall out of the top eight tight ends. I think he'll be probably six, six, seventh, or eighth. In the draft that I was just looking at that we did a few weeks ago, he went not long after, just a few spots after, but Ingram went after Tyler Higby. What do you think about that? No, that 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 will not happen. in drafts that I'm participating in, I don't believe. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Okay, well, well, where were you, Heath? Could have used you back then. Uh, I think I was in the Everglades. Oh, all right. That, that's a pretty good excuse. Uh, any busts for next season? Any busts uh, on top of your head? Besides Jared Cook? Yeah, Cook. Uh, don't Zach be so Ertz, quick think... on that, guys. Don't be so quick. Like, look, age is, age is whatever. He he has not played with great quarterbacks for most, most of his career. And, like... Drew Brees is doing things at an age we never thought possible. Tom Brady, same thing. I mean, guys do in sports in general. Guys do things at ages that we didn't think they could do it. You know, it happens all the time. You probably doubt Nelson Cruz every year, Heath. How many catches did you say he had last year, Jared Cook? 43, I think. He missed some time. What did he do? He just scored a few touchdowns. Yeah, well, well, he averaged 16 happen. yards per catch. I mean, he, he was yeah. a 10 yards per target guy. He, he had an elite season. But when a guy has a career season at age 32, I'm generally going to bet against him at age 33. If I, like, yeah, but a, he a had a career season at age 31. Be, a better age, bust pick would be Zach Ertz. Yeah. I, I would also throw Higby in there because the Rams changed their offense so much. There was all that talk early in the season about the Patriots having figured out their 11 personnel heavy offense and they did some, they, they did some rearranging of things and clearly made Higby a focal point, but maybe over the offseason, season, Sean goes back to the drawing board and, and tries to tweak his old offense. that got him to the Super Bowl as opposed to sticking with what, you know, I, I just think scheme wise, it could end up being a thing where um, they get back to those receivers being ahead of the tight ends in that offense. It's a possibility. I mean, I, I still think what Higby did is, is very notable, but I don't think I'd feel comfortable taking him as a top 10 tight end. No, no. So he's another one that I think will go too high. All right. Coming up on the show, we got some news and notes. The Jaguars are about to have a new offensive coordinator. Uh, Green Bay's offensive line might take a hit with Brian Bulaga, free agent. And we've got some 2019 notes and a few of your emails at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Let's take a quick break here on FFT, and we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Here are your news and notes. Jay Gruden is looks like going to be the uh, offensive coordinator for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Guys, you like it or dislike it or what? I don't know. I uh, lukewarm on it at this time. Not not negative on it. I'll, I'll note that 
he's always used a passing back. I mean, he did with the Bengals with Gio Bernard, and then he did with Chris Thompson. Mm-hmm. And a big part of Leonard Fournette's value this year was that he didn't come off the field. I think he had the second highest average snap share behind only Christian McCaffrey. Fournette obviously didn't score a lot of touchdowns and wasn't an amazing fantasy player. But if we're hoping that his touchdowns bounce back next year, we also might need to be a little bit concerned about his receptions dropping if they go to a receiving back. And, you know, not a bad track record for Jay Gruden. Three uh, three seasons as offensive coordinator for the Bengals. 18th in scoring in 2011. That was Andy Dalton and A.J. Green's rookie season. Then 12th, then 6th. So, but pretty well. But he also called plays the whole time he was the head coach in Washington, right? Yes. I think so. Oh, I don't know about that. I don't know. Didn't they had McVay, right? I don't know. McVay was just plays the... Or, yeah, I, I don't, I'll I'll verify and correct myself at a later date. I know I won't, but I think he's <laughs> called plays for most, if not all, of his time in Washington. Okay, I mean, you would think so. And McVay, it's just it's just his mere presence, I think, makes everybody better, as as we've found out. Uh, right tackle Brian Bulaga, not sure if he's going to re-sign with the Packers. Odell Beckham had core muscle surgery. Julian Edelman had shoulder surgery. He's expected to be ready for off-season workouts. Oh, another Antonio Brown headline. He allegedly beat up the driver of a moving truck. And Stephen Stephen Jones, the Cowboys VP, said extending Dak Prescott is a top priority. Meanwhile, Cincinnati head coach Zach Taylor said re-signing A.J. Green is a priority. And J.J. Watt is going to host Saturday Night Live. I don't know. It's not a good show anyway, so I'm not sure he's going to make it better. It's a pretty good show on certain occasions. And I would say only this, that I would anticipate him. I think he's one of the better football players that could do it. Okay, pick one football and I, I player that, that you would like. One football player that I would like to host Saturday Night Live. Uh, can we do X players? I think Chad Ochocinco would be pretty entertaining. He would be fantastic <laughs> at it. Um, Steve Smith would probably be pretty good at it. I'm thinking of former players that are, you know. Steve Smith would be amazing at it. It's got to be a wide receiver. I mean, who are the most colorful wide receivers? (laughs) Pretty much has to be a wide receiver. (laughs) They're they're all the most entertaining. Uh, We must be missing somebody so obvious right now. I know. I'm blanking. Uh, You know what? We'll we'll figure. Like, somebody's going to show off at the Pro Bowl or something like that. Uh, Juju would be really good at it. Juju. Juju would be really good at it. Yeah, he's he's a funny guy. All right, 2019 notes. Just a few things to throw out at you. Tell me what you feel about these. How you feel about these splits? Matt Ryan, first six games of the season before he left Week Eight with a uh, Week Seven with an injury, he was the number five quarterback in fantasy. But he was pretty close to number one. I mean, there was a group of five that were absolutely elite. They averaged 27 or more fantasy points per game. He was part of that. The next best averaged 24.7 points per game in six point per passing touchdown leagues. And Ryan led the NFL in passing touchdowns in those games, and he had 2,000 yards in five games. So he was crushing it. He hurt his, he got hurt. I think it was his ankle. Missed the game or two. Missed missed a full game, and you know, part part of the Rams game came back. And in his last eight games, Matt Ryan was only the number 13 quarterback in fantasy. He had 11 touchdowns. He had 15 touchdowns in his first five games, and he had 11 in his last eight. But he did have the fourth most passing yards in those eight games. So, elite first six games, number 13 quarterback, last eight games. What do you make of it? It's just the last five years of Matt Ryan in one season. Like you, It's been all about the touchdown rate for him for the most part, except for that MVP year. 
But you look at his last five years, 3.4% touchdown rate, he was a fantasy disaster. 7.1, he was the best player in fantasy and totally unsustainable. 3.8 again the year after that, which is way lower than a quarterback as good as Matt Ryan should ever be at. Then 5.8 the year after that, well, that's slightly, that's above average for an elite quarterback. Last year, it fell down to 4.2 and he wasn't quite as good. It's frustrating because I don't know where to put him for the upcoming season, but he's going to throw for around 4,500 yards probably. I would expect he's going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 25 to 30 touchdowns, and he's going to be a low-end starting quarterback in fantasy. I think with those splits, you'd probably find that they were trailing more and they were throwing more because I know Atlanta uh, led the NFL in pass attempts by like 50 over any other team they were this year like the Steelers did that in 2018 and obviously Ben Roethlisberger got hurt but we we see a lot of regression with those big outlier numbers they threw 684 times the next team was the Panthers at 633 so 51 attempts more than any other team in the league this year I I, you know I think that's going to impact Ryan as well I agree completely with Heath the touchdown rate is a huge part of Matt Ryan but also we should expect probably that his past attempts will come down a little bit next year uh, one last thing about those splits, though. Those first five games, he had everybody. He had Mohamed Sanu, he had Austin Hooper, he had Calvin Ridley, and, of course, he had Julio Jones. Those last eight games, uh, the Hooper played the first game, and then he got hurt. I think he missed three games. Then he comes back, he plays one game with everybody except for Sanu, and then Calvin Ridley gets hurt, and he misses three games. So does that matter to you that he just didn't have the full arsenal? Well, he's not going to have the full arsenal. Uh, Mohamed Sanu is not going to be there. And no, he, but he at least he'll have, he'll have Ridley and Hooper and Jones. Possibly Hooper. Hooper's a free agent. Ridley That's is true. a guy who, because he missed three games, you know, I think we've talked about it in recent weeks, but I think it took a step forward, and his stats don't really show it because he missed three games. He basically put up the same numbers in 13 games that he put up in 16 games as a rookie. I, I think Julio and Ridley are a really good one-two punch. I think you'll have plenty of weaponry, whether they bring back Hooper or, or not. I mean, obviously Hooper would help, but... Um, if they don't bring him back, I would expect they'll add either a third receiver or a pass catching tight end. But they, they should have plenty of weaponry with those two guys at the top for sure. Yeah, you're not going to get any Calvin Ridley unless I adjust my initial projections because you're going to be when I, when I first, my first run uh, had him just ahead of Odell Beckham, Adam Thielen, and Kenny Gallagher. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm probably going to adjust him down a little bit from there, but I agree 100% with Ben that he is like the, so far, my favorite breakout wide receiver candidate. Mm hmm. All right, next uh, 2019 note, Chris Carson. We, we put out our top 10 running back list. I don't think anybody had Chris Carson on there. He tore his Achilles, and that is a big deal. But his injury doesn't appear to be as bad as Rashad Penny's injury. No, he didn't tear and his Achilles. He, oh, what did he do? Fractured his hip. Fractured his hip. Fractured his hip. Fractured his hip, sorry. Which he is also not good. Yeah, neither of those are really good. But uh, All Achilles? right, fractured his hip. Somebody in today's notes tore their Achilles. Was Penny? a tight end? No, Penny was an ACL, but yeah. Okay, good. Somebody. I'm glad he didn't tear his, tear his Achilles. First 14 games before he fractured his hip in week 16, he was the number nine running back in both formats. He had 270 carries. That was the second most in the NFL, only one behind Derrick Henry at that point. He had 36 catches. So, you know, the reports have been so far positive. He should be ready for week one, hopefully for training camp. What's it going to take for you to make Chris Carson a top 10 running back? Is it possible? Um, a lot of injuries. Why? Um, like I, He did have a good stretch at where he produced that type of production, but I would still anticipate it's going to be a two-back system, especially after like they were pretty hesitant to give him that full workload. He'd had some injury concerns in the past. They did pretty much give him the full workload, and he got hurt again. 
So I would not expect him to have the same number of touches that he had through the first 13 or 14 games over a full season. Yeah, and, you know, Penny, they I think it was more an indication that they weren't comfortable with Penny yet. And then Penny, throughout the season, there were positive reports that he was uh, taking his training more seriously, had lost some weight, was in better condition. And then after the bye, he played his first two games with over 40% of the snaps all season and then tore his ACL in, in the third game back. But it went to a committee. And part of the reason it went to a committee was Carson had the fumble issues all year too, right? So I'm looking at this going into the offseason as, you know, the Seahawks are always about open competition and this and that. That Penny, um, if he rehabs and is back and is healthy, has just as much of a chance to be the the starter uh, as Carson does. So for me, Carson's not going to be a top 10, a top 10 back. Last note from 2019, wide receiver, Cooper Cup. He did end up as the number four receiver in fantasy in both formats. 94 catches, 1,161 yards, 10 touchdowns on 134 targets in 16 games for Cup. He caught a touchdown in each of his last five games. But his splits are really interesting as well, kind of like Mark Andrews. Uh, First eight games, he was the number, well, yes and no, like Mark Andrews, uh, in terms of targets, uh, not so much production. Last uh, first eight games, he was the number three wide receiver in fantasy, uh, number three in non PPR, number two in PPR. He had the second most targets. He had the second most receiving yards among wide receivers. He had 792 yards in eight games, 58 catches. The last eight games, he was not even a top 20 wide receiver. Cooper Cup, he had 36 catches, down from 58 in his first eight games to 36 in his next eight. The yards went from 792 in his first eight games to 369 in his next eight, but he still caught five touchdowns in both uh, sets of eight games. The targets dropped 40, 87 targets in his first eight games, 47 targets in his last eight games. So he was still a touchdown producer, but that is it. What did you think about that with Cooper Cup? He's been in the league now for three years, and so at that point, I think it's not a bad time to take a look at 16-game paces and where they're at. He's at 80 for 1,065 and 9. That includes two games his second year where he left early and basically produced nothing. That includes his rookie year production where obviously we wouldn't expect that to be as productive as his second or third year. So I think that's kind of like a floor of what I would expect for him. Maybe not the nine touchdowns. Maybe he only scores seven but I would anticipate it. I'm going to project him for something around 85 catches, 1,200 yards, and eight touchdowns. That's yeah. probably a, a high-end number two, low-end number one wide receiver. Yeah, I'm pretty optimistic about him going forward as well. He's only really produced. And, and we can look at these splits, but um, to your point, Adam, he was just outside the top 20 receivers in the second half of the season that's where he was drafted. But that was mostly because he was doing Jared Cook things, just scoring touchdowns yeah, and not catching right. any Sure, passes. sure. But uh, part of that was the Higby stuff, the change in the offense. They they actually dropped his snaps very significantly mm-hmm. in certain games where they went with more tight ends because he's a slot receiver. A lot of times slot receivers and tight ends are going to have um, snaps that go different directions. When, when teams are using more tight ends, they're not using the third receiver as much. But what I think is interesting is he basically went around when his production was down, he basically was producing around where we would have drafted him in the twenties last year. So it's almost like if these were flipped, if he started with that, the the last eight games and the first eight games and then finished with the, the first eight games and the last eight games. And I know they weren't, but if they were, we'd be talking about him as a top 10 receiver because of how good that first eight game right. stretch was. If he closed the season that way, we'd be so high on him. So I don't want to overreact to the fact that, um, 
he was so good early and probably we raised our expectations and then he failed to live up to them in the second half is, is essentially where I'm at on him. Okay, that's Cooper Cup. Now let's read some emails. FantasyFootball at CBSI.com. Heath, you missed it. This was a fun one yesterday. We got this email from Randy in York, Pennsylvania. He said, what do you think about this format? 10-team league, you draft three rounds. Each manager would draft an entire NFL team each round, and the manager can only fill their roster spots from players on the three teams they have drafted. So we got some feedback. Jim in Boston said, I really like that discussion about drafting the entire team's roster. Bucks, such an interesting choice, because I think I said they'd be number one for me, but we were doing that off the cuff. Um, I plan to do a draft like this with my league mates. Okay, so that's Jim. He liked it. Justin pointed out, and he said, Dear Happy, I'm going to make sure Ben knows this reference. Dear Happy, Billy, Bobby, and Nikki. You, you need to make sure that I know that reference. Happy, happy yeah, and yeah. Billy give it away, but those were like two of my favorite favorite movies as a kid. I mean, it, oh, who are the other Sandler, two then? Adam Sandler. Yeah. Bobby Boucher and Little Nikki, I guess. He was, where was the yeah, devil? Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen Little Nicky, nor I don't care. I don't know if I have either, but Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison were, you know, that's, we were watching those as kids. Come on. Who's your, which one do you like better? I loved Happy Gilmore. I I pretty much know every quote to that movie. (laughs) There's not a lot you can say in the air, though. I don't think Heath likes Happy Gilmore. It's my guess. What do you mean? It's one of my favorite sports movies. (laughs) That guy. He shouldn't have been standing there. Oh, this is my favorite sports movie. It is more of a sports movie than Jerry Maguire, for sure. The whole okay. thing is based when, around sports. Obviously, it's a sports yeah, it's movie. Yeah, it's a sports movie. When you and the analysts were discussing the format of the three rounds where you choose a full-time or you choose a full team, how could you leave out the Saints? You guys are making the cases for the Giants and the 49ers, and you left out the Saints. Well, yes. that was a bad job by you guys. I think the, the Saints are in the discussion for the number two choice and the number one choice is pretty obvious um but i think the saints could be right there in the discussion for number two because they're yeah. so consolidated but you're talking about the chiefs Who's, yeah we, we all said the chiefs right away oh, we, oh. we shouldn't have forgot the saints obviously <laughs> we talked about a lot of teams another team i, I realized i don't think we mentioned was the cowboys who yeah are also very i mean they could be right up there with the saints yeah and uh scott from right right patterson air force base in dayton ohio um, said, I've been a longtime listener, and your help guided me to another championship this year. However, I found that while your advice is the best in town, there are sure to be some stinkers every week. Uh, when Randy in Pennsylvania mentioned the draft of a whole NFL roster league, how do the Saints not get selected first overall? Then he goes on and he says, this kind of league sounds like a lot of fun. I think there should be a listener league like this next year. Adam and Heath can be co-commissioners. Well, I mean, Heath will be commissioner, and Adam will have the password <laughs> to the commissioner login. <laughs> oh, it wasn't just the yeah. password for the commissioner logon. Literally, whenever you were logged into the league, you had access to everything that I did from a commissioner standpoint. And literally, you have that same access in the podcast league, and I've never once considered you the commissioner. I'm the commissioner. I'm the going league. to make some changes. We already next did this year all season. No, you're not. <laughs> I will change you some stuff next year just to prove it. It's going to be really so who weird are... when we go into the draft and you see it's Superflex. Right, who are? No, it's not going to be. Who are our top? Because. Oh, you know what? I better before you do it. I better get in that league and knock out your commissioner accent. <laughs> uh, I, I, I want to add are, a little our top five teams. I want to add a little context to this too. But and we can go. We can we can draft them or, or list our top fives. But one of the things I pulled up was um, skill position PPR points from 2019, like as a team totals. 
Uh, obviously, the quarterback is an, an important additional piece, but Dallas actually led the league, and then it goes Atlanta, number two, Tampa Bay, San Francisco, the Rams, the Chiefs are down at six, uh, Eagles, Chargers, Saints, and Seahawks, I believe that rounds at the top ten. Those are the guys that just total skill position points. Now, for a team like the Saints, the argument would be they're very concentrated in their scoring. You get right. a lot from Michael Thomas and a lot for Alvin Kamara. They're going to be better than their total sum, but I think that was an interesting uh, note as well on this conversation. I'd probably go Chiefs, Saints, Ravens, Cowboys, Buccaneers. Okay, but we're we're starting quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, and a tight end. Let's say is there a flex too? Yeah, flex too. Yeah, so I wouldn't take the Ravens team- that high. Well, you hate Mark Ingram. Yeah, I do hate Mark Ingram. <laughs> That's true. I, I I would take the Chiefs uh, definitely. I think I would probably take the Cowboys because I think Michael Gallup. It's another guy that's like Calvin Ridley that we're probably going to be overlooking a little bit, at least early in the offseason. Um, so they have two really good receivers, in my view, plus uh, Ezekiel Elliott, obviously. Um, I I think the Bucks for me, would be as well, especially if we knew that Jameis was back because we just know that they're going to throw downfield so much, and there's so much downfield uh, volume. Even after Evans got hurt, Brashad Perriman led the NFL in air yards from that point on. So, and was productive. So, you know, you know that there's going to be receiver production there. That would be a top five team for me. I don't know how I'd close the top. Chargers, I think, would be a top five team for me as well. And then Saints. Did I not say the Saints? Yeah, that, that would be my top five. I don't even know who's on the Chargers right now. Yeah, but Austin Eckler is. Austin Eckler is. <laughs> the 49ers are interesting, though, because you could have two running backs to start. You got your tight end. They were the second highest scoring team in the NFL. That does include defensive points. But how would you know which there. running backs to start? You start them both. You start two every Which week. Which two? I look. I will know. You know going in which two to start. They, it's never been like, I gosh, I, there's three of them. Oh yes, this, this rarely, season rarely, it was. rarely, yeah. rarely, really rarely. four. Because for a while we thought Jeff Wilson was the goal. Jeff back Wilson had like a three touchdown game. Yeah, I, yeah, but wasn't was that with Tevin Coleman hurt at that point? Like it would be it would be Coleman and Mostert right now, obviously, because pending mm-hmm. Coleman's health. But so, I don't think you're going to have. Um, in this situation, I'm envisioning I've taken three teams. One of those other two teams should have a running back better than the second San Francisco running back. Who, which teams? I get three teams in this draft. Yeah, we so I'm drafting the 49ers oh, plus two other teams. Oh, right. Okay, okay, So okay. I don't yeah, think true, having true, two true. of their running backs is that exciting. And that right, adds strategy okay. to it. Like, so if you take the Chiefs, you you probably don't need to worry else. about a team that has an elite tight end or an elite quarterback because you already locked up Mahomes and, Ke- and Kelsey. I mean, it, it would be interesting to do a draft like this. It would be. I don't know why I was trying to fill every roster spot from one team, so my apologies. Um, yeah, okay, then screw that. We don't want the 49ers. Yeah, the Chiefs are the obvious one, I think. Or are they? Chiefs, yeah, Cowboys, they Bucks would be the best combination. Yeah, that's what I really Chiefs, like Cowboys, Bucks. And then, yeah, Saints. The, the the readers are right. The Saints are up there. Okay, good stuff. Guys, thank you. Good show. And uh, tomorrow we're going to take a look at 2020 rankings. Well, that'll be fun. Who's excited? Yeah. I'm excited. All right. Well, I, I've been doing all your projections, so we get to show them off. I, I've got I've, – I'll, I'll be ready for two-thirds of the league. Okay. <laughs> but still, we're only going to talk about those two-thirds then. The next third we'll talk about next week. Thanks for listening, everyone. For Heath, for Ben, I'm Adam. Talk to you tomorrow on Fantasy Football Today.
This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. You expected someone else? So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> 9 over 8. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.